for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. Amen. Please take your seats. It's great to see you all. And uh, we're going to continue looking at the subject of prayer. And we're going to turn to uh, the book of Thessalonians, uh, first book of Thessalonians. And we're going to read from chapter 5. Chapter 5. Should be on the screen, coming up. Yep. And we're going to read from verse, going to read from verse 12. Um, I would like to have read the whole chapter, but uh, we'll just read from verse 12 through to verse 22. And we urge you, brethren, to... No, it's not, just the, it's not just the brothers, it's the sisters as well. It's the church. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves, Paul writes. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, Comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all, see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Verse 16, rejoice always. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Verse 18, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Verse 19, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every, every form of evil. And uh, these are going to be challenging verses to read, challenging verses to put into place in our lives. Uh, but I wanted to look at these this morning, and our subject for this morning is what I've called the big three. <laughs> the, big, the big three. Uh, Thessalonians, First Thessalonians is probably the first book that was ever written in the New Testament. You tend to think Matthew, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but that's not the order in which they were written. Uh, scholars say probably the first Thessalonians, if I can get my mouth around it, was probably the first book that was written, A.D. probably 48, 49, A.D. 50, somewhere along there. And uh, we've been teaching on prayer these past few weeks in alignment, I believe, with what the Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit's mandate, if you like, to call us as a church and as a people, as a community, as families and as individuals back into a dedicated prayer life, a dedicated prayer walk with God. And that's why we are having all these, maybe thinking, can we move on to something else? No, prayer is vital in your life and in my life and certainly in the life of the church. And at the start of January, we said we wanted better vision. Do you remember? We wanted 2020 vision. And it's your prayer life and my prayer life and our prayer life that will give us better and more clearer vision. So I hope you've, or you are, enjoying this season looking at prayer. 
I hope you are. I hope it's encouraged you. Um, and as we move further into this second month, being February, in our teaching, I want to show you a life-changing attitude that you can program into your head, into your heart, into your spirit, that will enable you to keep you and keep me and keep us at a higher level in our journey of faith, because our faith journey is a walk with God, and so we need to be in communication with Him. So first of all, as we look into this in the next little while, let me say as a background, the Apostle Paul is writing this book, and he's writing the book to the church at Thessalonica after Timothy, who was his spiritual son, had been there and uh, reported that this local church had questions about the Lord's return. Maybe you have as well. But they had questions about the Lord's return. So he writes as a father to his spiritual children, trying to bring some clarity to these young converts about, uh, the, about the Lord's return, about Christ's return. Uh, he actually wrote a second letter to them shortly after the first letter, exactly on the same theme, the day of the Lord, the day of Yahweh. Uh, I say that to, to, to say this, you should get to know your Bible. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it, it seems silly even saying that to Christians, but we should get to know our Bibles. Study God's Word. You might not have a big black Bible like me. You might have a phone, an iPad, a computer, uh, a paperback, whatever it is, but get to know your Bible. Immerse yourself in God's Word because we live, and you know this, we live in a culture within even within church, that, people, that means that people come to church to hear truth from the Bible, but they don't carry the truth within them. So you come to church, you hear truth, you get excited by truth, and you walk away, and the truth doesn't set you free. The truth leaves as the week goes on. See, God's Word says that it's only the truth that sets you free. And dare I say it, not every church teaches truth. Really. Not every church teaches truth. My question to Christians is, would you know the difference if a church taught error or taught truth? Put that in the back of your mind. Would I know the difference? And the way you know the difference is to know what's actually written in God's Word. And so Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica because his own spiritual children were being deceived. They were being deceived by what he called false letters. Not true, authentic letters from him or from the other apostles, but false letters. And this church that he had birthed and his spiritual children were getting deceived. So he wrote this book. He said, I don't want you to be deceived. I want to write God's word to you so that you can understand exactly what's true. Because these false prophets were telling them that the day of the Lord had already come. And so there's no point waiting and anticipating for the day of the Lord. It's come. So that was error. Not every prophet speaks truth. Not every teacher teaches right over wrong. Question, do you know the difference? And the way to avoid error 
is to actually see what the Bible says for yourself. We live in a day where there's all sorts of prophecies and declarations and all sorts of things. I, I, I iTunes, I, well, on iTunes, and also podcasts and messages and written words and books and everything else. How do you know what's right and what's wrong? And you can't go by the law of the land because the law of the land is not the law of God. So you have to know God's word to know what's true. So Paul's pointing out here to the whole church in chapter 5, six truths which we often forget to remember. And I'm not going to particularly preach on these, but I want you to ask yourself, do I follow through on these requests? And uh, it starts off, brethren, (laughs) and uh, well, as I said, that's sisters, and it's all of us. He's speaking to the whole church. Uh, do you recognize, do you acknowledge, do you respect, amplified version, do you appreciate those who labor among you and are over you and who basically, who tell you off? I do not like people telling me off. You probably don't like it either. But God's word says, I want you to appreciate those people who tell you off for they're doing it for a reason. So that's number one. Number two, He says, esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Honor leaders. Honor people who are serving you. Honor is not a word that is used very very often in the church in the UK or even used in the UK at all. We don't know how to honor our leaders. In fact, we, what did we do? We almost stone our leaders. We criticize them. That prime minister, that queen, that king, that... And we actually, God's word says, pray for them. That's number two. Number three, brethren, warn, seriously advise, admonish those who are unruly, the the disorderly, the loafers, one version says. Now, why I say brethren is, you think that's my job, or that's Susan's job, that's the vision team's job, that's the pastor's job to tell people off. But Paul says, no, brethren, tell each other off. I find that very interesting. So we're all the bad guys now, in one sense, at some time. We're actually encouraging and building each other and bringing each other into check. Do you understand? Brethren, he says, comfort, sorry, warn seriously and advise and admonish those who are unruly, the disorderly, the loafers, people who are maybe going off in one or doing this or doing that. All of us, it's all of our job, Paul says in this book, to get alongside and say, do you really think you should be doing that? Do you really think you should be going there? Do you really think you should be saying that? See, that's the priesthood of all believers in action. Number four, um, I'm not concentrating on these, I'm just mentioning them because it's in the passage. Brethren, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient. It's all of our job to care for each other, not just the pastor's job. It's all of our job. Number five, brethren, again, don't render or repay evil for evil. It's all of our jobs to live the the right way. Number six, brethren, pursue what is good both for you and for everyone else. Do good to one another. It's all of our job to pursue the right path, to pursue good. Appreciate, esteem, warm, comfort. Don't repay evil. Pursue good. It's all of our jobs. 
to be doing these things, not just for pastors. Now, I say that, and now we'll get on to the, what I call the big three, because it's the big three that will set you free. Uh, it's the big three that will set you free. What's the big three? Well, it's in the verses there. Rejoice always. Number one. Number two, pray without ceasing. Number three, in everything, give thanks. And if you think all those three seem impossible, all those three are subhuman, inhuman, uh, out of this world, and I totally and utterly agree with you because we are not of the kingdom, the United Kingdom. We are of another kingdom. We are of the kingdom of God. And so the kingdom of God is totally, virtually opposite from what you live in or what you, you think you live in. And you are part of the kingdom of God. And when you walk into a room, the kingdom of God walks into that room with you. So you might think that's impossible, but it's not impossible because you're part of another kingdom. So we should rejoice always. We should pray without ceasing. We should in everything give thanks. So I want to unpack that a little bit and see what that actually says, what that actually means, and how we can put it into operation in our lives. So verse 16, uh, our first one, uh, rejoice always. Be happy in your faith. Don't look to your circumstances. Uh, you hear people say, don't you, I'll be happy when the, I get the new house, or I get married, or I'll be happy when we get children, or I'll be happy when I get that promotion, I'll be happy when we have the holiday, I'll be happy when even if I have a foreign holiday, then I'll be really happy. I'll be happy when that money comes in, when that inheritance comes. I'll be happy when I get healed. If I can just get healed, and I'll be happy. I'll be happy when I get rid of them. I'll be happy when I get them. <laughs> it, it's always tomorrow, isn't it? I'll be happy when. You see, the time to rejoice, the time to be happy, the time to be joyful is now. Not later today, now. Be happy now. Because it's today that God loves you. That's a reason to be happy. It's today that Jesus declares he's your brother. Today the Holy Spirit dwells within you. Not one day, but two days. This very minute. So rejoice always. And uh, you say, well, hang on a minute, Jack. You mean always? Does Paul actually mean always in every circumstance? I say yes. I say yes. Even if you can't pray, rejoice. Let the Holy Spirit pray through you. Even as your tears are falling, position yourself upwards. You might not be saying anything, but your body's poised towards heaven rather than downwards towards hell. What happens when you rejoice in the most difficult and painful circumstance is that you show to your God and to your Father and to anyone else for that matter, that you're not just following Jesus because it's a nice way of life, because you're going to get eternal life, because there's some gifts and some blessings that he's going to give you, that you're following him uphill and down dale 
Because you love him. Because you love him. That's why we rejoice always. And we show him by rejoicing always. God, Lord, you come ahead of every trial, every tribulation, every problem, every situation. That's why when you get married, you remember the vicar stood in front of you, the pastor, the bishop, or whoever it was. Uh, you, you promised for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, sickness and health, to love and to cherish. So, but when the tough times come, and the sickness comes, or whatever comes, your love for your partner is proved through that situation, through that trial. Whether you're poor or sick or it's worse. And as it is in a physical marriage, even more so it is in a spiritual marriage. We rejoice always, even when we don't understand what God's doing, even when we're hurt by what we feel God is doing, even when we're struggling. That's when we decide how much we love Him and how much we're going to honor Him. We are the bride of Christ. This is a marriage. That's how you persevere. We rejoice. You think of the African slaves. Came across a man called Frederick Douglass, who was one of those slaves, and he wrote about his captivity. We were at times remarkably buoyant, singing hymns and making joyous exclamation, exclamations, almost as triumphant in their tone as if we had already reached a land of freedom and safety. Isn't that amazing? One of the slaves, all of the slaves, many of them, sing, buoyantly singing hymns, making joyous exclamations, almost as triumphant in their tone as if we had already reached the land of freedom and safety. And that's what God calls you to do in your life. To praise and to sing and be joyful, almost as if you have got what God God wants to give you and what you want to receive, or the pain is finished. You're rejoicing always. And that's why some of these African-American spirituals came into being. Do you remember? He's got the whole world in his hands. You young ones don't know what I'm talking about. But people of a certain age know exactly what I'm talking about. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Go tell it on the mountain. Let us break bread together. Then that other one, steal away, steal away to Jesus. These are African-American spirituals written by slaves, singing, rejoicing when they're in bondage. Worship songs, rejoicing always. And one day, you'll share eternity with those slaves. So I pray we get the grace to do life as they did life, whatever your painful situation is. Because that's, and they've shown shown us, and God's Word shows us, that's how we win. That's how we feel better in the pain. That's how we heal from the heart. That's how you grow. That's how you go to the next level, rejoicing always. Even if you think, I'm just going to say the words. Say them. Because we pronounce 
his truth over our emotion. I'll say that again. We, pro- we pronounce his truth over our emotion. We pronounce his truth over our emotion. You got it? We pronounce his truth over our emotion, over our experience, over our story, over our bank account, over our situation, over our marriage, over whatever it is, painful situation you're going through, we pronounce his truth over, over everything. So that's number one, rejoice always. Number two of these big three, pray without ceasing. And we've looked at this a little bit in the last few weeks. When I say pray without ceasing, I don't mean constantly talking to God, because that's impossible. Totally and utterly impossible. How can you listen to God when you're talking to him? How can you you understand? So it doesn't mean constantly talking to him. Pray without ceasing means, I think I've written down three, three things, A, B, C. A, keep your lines of communication open. In other words, keep an open line, an open channel if you want, so that either party can speak at any time. Remember when you were going out with that boy, out with that girl, you know, and they were a long way away from you, and you were on the phone, and uh, what's your day like? And then you run out of conversation, and the line doesn't go dead. It's just there's no one speaking. Do you remember those days? And then eventually somebody speaks, and then it goes silent again. Then somebody, <laughs> somebody else speaks, and you, all you can hear is breathing. And then eventually you say, well, I'm going to have to go. You put the phone down first. No, you put the phone down first. Do you remember those days? Some of you do. Is it just Susan and I? No. And <laughs> do you remember? Yeah? Do you remember, love? Yeah? Yeah, you do? Yeah? And I always put the phone down first because so, yeah, I'd still be sitting in that armchair, yeah? <laughs> but keep the lines of communication open. Keep them open. That's praying without ceasing. There's an open line. That's A, B. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Be persistent in your prayer life. When you've got a heart's desire, God's given you a heart's desire to achieve something. Ask, seek, and knock. God will, and he has, placed within your heart a desire. Go after it. Don't let go of it. Hang in there. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep seeking, keep knocking. That's praying without ceasing. Lastly, praying without ceasing means you show your dependence on him. We pray without ceasing means we don't go off and ask somebody else to answer our prayer. We're asking you, God. Yes, we may have to go and speak to other people. That's fine, but that's at his direction. We show our dependence on him. If this is going to get done, Lord, you're going to have to do it. Nobody else can do it. Doctor can't do it. Surgeon can't do it. You're going to have to do it. He may use the doctor. He may use the surgeon. That's that's obvious. But God, I am showing my dependence on you. 
And often when we pray, is we pray and then we have a backup plan. <laughs> well, if God doesn't do it, I can visit him. I can see them. I'll talk to them. I'll take this. I'll do that. But we show our dependence on him. That's faith. F-A-I-T-H. Forsaking all, I trust him. Praying without ceasing. We literally don't have anyone else to go to. At some point in your life and in my life, everything I have, everything you have, everything, and I mean everything. I don't mean, just mean your teeth or your hair. Everything will fall away. Everything. Everything. All that you're seeking to build will fall away. Everything will fall away. So before that happens, offer up to God your life. Lord, I give you my life today. Lord, everything, we sang it, didn't we? Everything I have is yours today. We sing that, but if I come asking for something, you say, hang on a minute, that's mine. Can I just, no. Well, the Lord's taught me to, told me to tell you. <laughs> I told you the story one time. My brother-in-law, who, who's no longer with us, God told him to go and ask um, my brother, his brother-in-law, for his car. And uh, felt led by the Lord to, to, to go and ask for it. And <laughs> if, he, if you knew Ray, as I do, and if you knew my brother, I'm not name him, uh, if you knew my brother, you would know there's just n- no way. So he went and he asked for it, you see, and uh, was met with the response, I'll pray about it. But praise God, he, he did pray about it, and God showed him, yeah, I want, I want you to give him your car. Everything I have is yours. So I can come, or somebody else can come, brother can come, sisters can come, and ask for something. Because actually, it's not important. Eventually, it'll fall away. Whatever metal you're driving eventually ends up in a scrap heap. Everything I have is yours. Lord you, are, Lord, you are my Lord. I am your servant today. Lord, it's an honor to be your child today. Lord, I give you my future today. Lord, I give you my family today. See, these are all little gods that we put on the throne of our lives. Money, houses, children, grandchildren, fears, desires. These are all things that that can shuffle onto the throne. And every so often, you've got to think, who's on the throne of my life? Who am I worshipping? Who am I serving? So when we pray... We show our dependence and we declare our dependence on him. We pray without ceasing. Remember the story of Job, the classic story of suffering and remaining with God through your suffering is the story of Job. But I noted something, and many not the first to note it, many people have noted it, the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. And he gave him twice as much as he had before. You see, God will give you double for your trouble. 
But you have to have an open relationship with him. You have to have a prayer life. You have to be saying, I'm dependent on you, God. And when we depend on God, we get double what anyone else can give us. He gives you literally double for your trouble. So that's number, number two, pray without ceasing. Number three, in everything, give thanks. If rejoicing in everything is hard and praying without ceasing is not always easy, then how about in everything, in everything, in everything give thanks? It's easy to say, well, thank you for giving me my love. Thank you for giving me my food. Thank you for my house. Thank you for my car. Thank you for my wife and my husband and my children and my grandchildren, great-grandchildren. Thank you for that. That's easy to give thanks for, isn't it? And everything, you say, well, that's everything, isn't it? No, that's not everything. God wants you to thank him for everything. Everything? Surely that's not right. It's one thing to be happy for, to be happy. You say, well, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy with them, I'm happy with this. Life's good, I'm happy. Thank you, Lord. There's another thing to say, Lord, I'm going to thank you during this time that I'm in pain. Thank you for the loss. Thank you for the difficulty. Thank you for the illness. And when you read that, first of all, you think there must be something wrong with the translation here. Must be something. There must be another. What's the message version say? (laughs) That's what we think, isn't it? But do you remember Jesus in the upper room? And we read these verses when we take communion. Let me read them to you. The Lord Jesus, on the same night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body which is broken for you. Imagine giving thanks just before your life's going to be taken from you. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you take this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Do you really hear what Jesus is saying there? He's giving thanks that his body is about to be sacrificed. There's no one here, I don't think, going to the gas chambers tomorrow or to be hung or to be shot here. But Jesus was in that position. He was going to be crucified. And he is giving thanks. Thanks, the Greek word eucristio, root word charis, grace. Grace means undeserved favor, kara, joy. Jesus was giving thanks not for his present circumstance, but that his present circumstances were going to lead to a glory which would include you and me. Sinners would become saints. Prodigals would return home. Essentially, we would be let back into the garden, Garden of Eden. From being banished, now because of the cross, we were going to be let back in. So whenever circumstance, whatever painful situation you're in, we should assume the attitude of Jesus. And the writer to the Hebrews put it this way, Let us run with endurance the race which is set before us, looking. Looking here means fixing one's eyes trustingly unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Despising the shame has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And that's how we can be thankful in our situation. Whatever the pain is, there's a joy 
to come. For Jesus, the joy wasn't the cross. It was going to be the crown. It wasn't the suffering that he endured. It was going to be the reward that he would receive. We say, well, that's Jesus. Jesus can cope with that. Jesus, that's him and and everything else. Well, let's look at what Paul said to his spiritual son, Timothy, who we talked about before. This is what Paul said. He says, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. A drink offering was what they used to pour on the the altar. It was an offering to God. He says, I'm being poured out like that, a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. He says, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul's saying what? Paul's saying, I'm thankful for this situation. I'm thankful that I'm under arrest. I'm thankful that I'm in jail. I'm thankful because there's a joy coming. And my story and your story is still being written. And you might think, I'm going through this pain just now. I'm going through this difficulty just now. But let me tell you, pilgrim, there is a joy to be revealed in your life. Your your story has better days ahead. So we have to let our story be his story. History. His story. Because there's joy if you are in his story. And you can do that. You can achieve that. You can receive that if you count it all joy. If you give thanks today for your situation right now. Thank God that they walked out. Thank God that they sacked you. Thank God they said no, because their no is God's yes. I mean that. You literally can't lose when you're following his story. Because the end of one chapter might be painful, but the next chapter brings joy. And when we realize our present circumstances are not going to be our final circumstances and that we are on a journey with God and that we're going somewhere and that our latter days, as I keep telling you, even if that means it's eternity, will be greater than my former days. Why? Because God, sorry, Jesus is the Omega. He's the Alpha, he's the Omega. He's not just the Alpha, he's the Omega. He's the end. It stops with him. It stops with him. Your story, his story, ends with him. So it's the big three that will set you free from any situation. Rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, in everything give thanks. And then Paul says at the very end, and I'm finished, virtually finished, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You Want to know what God's will is? That's it. These big three. Rejoicing always, praying without ceasing in every situation, whatever your situation is, 
give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for, for you. You want to know what God's will for your life? That's the, these three things. That's why we sing Amazing Grace. Lovely verse there. It says, Through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. Twas grace that brought us safe thus far, and grace will lead us home. We're on a journey. And you not you might be going uphill just now. You might be coasting and think, Well, I can pray, I can rejoice, everything's fantastic. Just you wait, just you wait. Just you wait. Life is hills and valleys, mountaintop experiences, times when you think everyone's disappeared on you. Through many dangers, toils, and snares. Maybe you have danger. Maybe you're fearful, worried. Maybe there's things that are snaring you, catching you, things that you are toiling in. It's hard work. You're going through it, but you don't, it's like treacle. You don't think you're getting anywhere. John Newton said, it's amazing grace. We have already come through these things. We will, already, we will still go through these things. It was grace, was favor, undeserved favor that brought us safe thus far. And grace, pilgrim, will lead you home. So rejoice, pray, give thanks through every danger, every toil, every difficulty, every pain. Because there might be pain in the night, but there's joy in the morning. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us this morning. I thank you, Lord, that your word brings life. I pray, Lord, as I said at the beginning, that we would take your word and we would study it, we would read it, we would pray into being we would declare it, we would recognize it, we would honor it, we would give thanks for it, we would rejoice over it, and that, Father, that you would use your word to enrich our life in a way that no other book can. Help us to beware of false teaching and false prophets people who have an agenda, help us to stick to your word. Thank you that you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. We honor you this morning as our King of kings and as Lord of lords. We put you in first place. Father, some of these things and difficulties and problems have taken our focus, and in the throne room of our life, You've been bumped off in these situations and these pains and these problems and these visions and these situations have taken first place. It's the last thing we think of at night. It's the first thing we think of in the morning. Father, forgive us. Help us to put you back in first place. Only you have the words of life. Lord, I speak life into death situations this morning. I speak your word. I pray by your Holy Spirit, 
you bring healing into situations and into bodies. Wipe away our tears, Lord. Bring healing. Take away fear and release faith. Thank you that you've promised to never leave us or forsake us. And that means in the difficulty. That means in the pain. That means in the problem. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You'll never walk away. Others may walk away. Others may find it too difficult. Others may not want to love us. But Father, you're the Alpha, the or you are the Omega. You're the first and you're the last. You're the beginning and you're the end. You're there in the beginning and you'll be there at the end. And so, Lord, just in the quietness, Lord, we offer up our pain, we offer up our problems, we offer up our situations, we offer up our vision, we offer up our aims, our goals, we offer them to you. And Father, we ask you that you would give us the grace to seek first the kingdom. Because you've promised us, Lord, as we seek first the king and his kingdom, all these other things are going to be added. They're going to be taken care of. So we seek first the king. We give you first place. We honor you above everything even above our children and our marriage, our family, our job, our career, our studies. We honor you first. First. You're in first place, Lord. It's only you can give us the grace to love in these situations, grace to pray in these situations, the grace to rejoice in these situations grace to uh, give thanks in these situations. There's only you can do it, Lord. Give us that grace. Surgically put it into our hearts and our spirits right now. Do a deep work, Lord. Many painful situations represented here. Aspirations and difficulties problems. It's all here, Lord. Only you have the answers. So we offer them up to you and tell you. There may be pain now, but we thank you that you're going to give us joy in the morning. In Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcentre.com.